Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am really grateful for this series that we've been in, Made for Mondays. Um, For me, I have always needed reminders that my faith is not just inside this building, that I am a follower of Jesus outside of this building, off this platform. And let me tell you something, I know I don't act like it all the time. I don't. In fact, I was really convicted this week um, about the fact that I get up here and I, and I talk every other weekend about how to live your life, and then I was yelling and screaming at my kids on Monday. <laughs> True story. Because they just, you know, sometimes they're just like, oof. They just are in that stage where they're fighting with each other now and like, you know, kicking each other. and <laughs> It's really fun. But um, yeah. And so sometimes I just like lose it, you know? Um, But what you need to know is that you do have, uh, when we sing these songs, chains fall, fear bow, Jesus, you change everything, you actually have all of the authority in heaven and on earth that Jesus died to give you so that you can live a life that is free, that you can live a life that is made for Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and every other day of the week that you are outside of this house and you can be powerful in the name of Jesus. And so this series is really wrapping up and we're talking this morning about evangelism. And that's a church word, so if you're not a church person, let me just explain to you what evangelism is. Evangelism is just basically you telling your testimony and your story of faith to somebody else. That's what it is. And it's testifying to the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for you and inviting them to be in that relationship as well. That's what evangelism is. I think sometimes believers in the church get all weirded out when we start like, you know, talking about these church words because there's all this pressure attached to it, right? There's pressure attached to evangelism and then our, our, our human nature kicks in and we're kind of like, ooh, I'm not talking about my, my faith in my, co- in my workplace. I can't talk to her about it. She bit my head off the last time I tried to invite her to church. You know, can't do that. Mm -mm. And uh, so there is this stigma attached to evangelism. Oh, and then there's this thing called proselytizing. When I Googled evangelism, because yes, I I use Google to write my messages. It's not just the Bible, but it is the foundation for my message. Okay, relax. Like, yes, I use the Bible, but... When I typed in evangelism into Google, the synonym that comes up is proselytize. And now proselytizing is like um, me beating uh, my Bible, apparently, over Eric's head at lunch, you know, if he was my coworker that didn't know Jesus. That's how I see it. And so what you need to know is that you are made for Mondays, and if we're going to talk about evangelism, we're talking about sharing our faith, our story. That's all it is. You're just saying what Jesus has done for you to another person that might be hurting, that might be broken, that might need some hope. Amen? Okay. Who's ready? I think you're going to need to do better than that. Who's ready? There we go. There we go. So uh, the, the main idea um, around the Christian faith is that you are actually, your life is not about you. Did you know that? If it's the first time that you're hearing this, your life is not actually all about you. 
And that was a hard pill for me to swallow because my life is always about me and I'm always thinking about me. I was always on my mind. I was always on my mind. That song, I was. I was always on my mind. And uh, I read the book Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And it's, and it's an incredible book, and I would recommend it to every single person in here who has not read it if you want to break down this whole Jesus thing really simply, really easily. And basically, his first sentence in the second chapter is, life is not about you. That's it. First sentence. And you have no idea how much freedom there is in that moment of knowing, oh, I'm here for a bigger purpose. I don't, have to, I don't always have to be on my own mind. My frustrations, my kids you know, acting up. I don't always have to, I don't have to worry about it because I'm here for something bigger. You're here to make a difference. That's why we talk about making a difference here all the time. Just this last Thursday, we were at Abraxas High School. Abraxas is our uh, continuation education high school in town. And it's where a lot of students that either um, have not been able to stay in traditional education for whatever reason, some of them are homeless, some of them have had criminal backgrounds, whatever, uh, those students are there at Abraxas. And then they also have a transition program. Uh, the special needs, uh, min not ministry, but special needs, yes, Clinton was a part of that. And um, so we actually believe in making a difference, and we believe that God has graced our church uh, to be a light in our community, particularly for the community of special needs uh, families and individuals. And so we don't just throw night to shine once a year, although that's part of what we do of making a difference, because it is making a difference. It's outreach. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus right, to right. people. Amen. But we thought we would continue that. And so every month we go and we just throw birthday parties for you know, the people that are having birthdays right. that particular month. And you would not believe the joy that is in the atmosphere and the joy that wells up in me right. when I celebrate other people genuinely. Right. You would not believe it. I did not want to go and do it on Thursday. I was having a bad day. I'll just be really honest. And I didn't feel like it. <laughs> But I showed up. I still showed up. And God showed up for me because when I was yelling and screaming and cheering and singing happy birthday and celebrating people that may, may not be celebrated on their birthday, what happened in me was something that was bigger than what was happening outside of me. Because I left with a joy, a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Hey, oh, we got some church kids. Oh, some church kids in here. Okay, good. Ooh, all right. So we're going to get into it this morning. Um, I want to open up this idea this morning with the resurrection story um, because we're coming up on Easter. And I hope that right now you'd be really intentional about praying about that person that God is asking you to reach out to and invite uh, to one of our, our Easter services. It's the most powerful, um, one of the most powerful Sundays, I believe, of the year where we really seek. Jesus move um, in the hearts of people that don't know him. And so I encourage you to be praying about that and be thinking about that. But the resurrection story is so powerful because Jesus is the greatest miracle, uh, I believe, in the scriptures. And it's the cornerstone and the foundation of our faith that Jesus was raised to life after death. And so he, is, he rolls the stone back away and paraphrasing it for you guys. So he rolls the stone back away. And then the first people, ladies, this is a side note, but interestingly enough, the first people that he shows himself to are women. 
Okay? So any woman in here that thinks that you don't have a powerful purpose or you don't know uh, that your story might matter or might help set somebody else free, he actually showed up to women first, okay? And then commissioned them because he said to them, go and tell my disciples that I'm alive and go tell them to meet me in Galilee. So ladies, ladies, you have a purpose. And we exist to help you discover that purpose. If you don't feel like you know what that is, go to next steps, like what Todd was talking about. Pastor Bob's going to do a spiritual assessment, all kinds of stuff, right? And you're going to show them what their purpose is. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, so then that, that brings us to Matthew 28. And this is the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, underline that part because we're going to come back. Underline that part in your Bible where it says, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's go back to verse 17 where it says, But some doubted. I think it's interesting that they chose to leave that in the text, right? Because doubt is never really associated with faith. And usually um, we tend to um, shame ourselves, I think, if we have doubts when it comes to faith. But look, at if you have doubts today, you were in good company. And they preceded us. The 11 disciples saw him with their own eyes, resurrected as a human being, and some still doubted. And I think this has to go along with the proximity. You know what proximity is? It's the distance uh, or lack of distance that you have with something. Okay, and proximity is really important because all of them, when in close proximity to Jesus, I believe had a lot of faith. They watched him open blind eyes. They watched him uh, set people free, cast demons out of people. They watched uh, that man feed over 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. They had close proximity with Jesus. But now, Jesus is lying in a grave for two days. Okay? And the disciples have allowed the distance to separate them. And so because of their lack of proximity, physical proximity that they had to Jesus, they doubt. And I think some of us in this room have had Uh, really awesome experiences with Jesus. And if you're a newer follower of Jesus, maybe this is more fresh for you. But um, Joyce Meyer always says, if you want a miracle, go get around a new believer because God just acts like real fast. And the reason he does that is like, and some of you maybe have remembered things that God did for you. When you said yes to Jesus, he answered a prayer like right away Um, because he is establishing his proximity with you. He is helping you establish your faith to know that he is real, okay? But it does not always stay like that. As you are a disciple and a follower of Jesus and you walk down this path, it's not like he's gonna, you're gonna snap your fingers and he's gonna do everything you want. Sorry to tell you. But some of us have experienced real freedom 
and real things have happened in our walks with Jesus. But the longer that we have been walking with him, we start to feel maybe a distance. Like we feel like the, we feel like because of our doubts and because of um, circumstances that are hard that we're going through, our perception of our proximity with him is, uh, is dangerous, okay? Because it can determine what we believe. So like we can say, we can say, like, I believed in Jesus when he, was asked, when, he, when he answered that prayer right away. And when I said yes to Jesus, then my marriage totally got straightened out. Or when I said yes to Jesus uh, and started giving, um, and he just dropped money from heaven, you know? And all this stuff. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, this, these are miracles that Jesus does. But the longer that we have been walking with him and the longer that we are faithful with our walk to him, we, st- we can let our perception of what we're going through determine our proximity to Jesus. And therefore, that can change the, our belief system about him. Wow. And so you have got to remember that the disciples themselves were, were with him. They actually physically knew him and saw him do these miracles. And even they after just two days of separation and pro- uh, separation of proximity, they started to doubt. So you're in good company. But if you allow your doubts and your circumstances to determine your proximity, like how close you're going to get to Jesus or how much you're going to pursue a relationship with him, um, you are going to always feel like you're on this Christian roller coaster. Okay. And that is not the life that Jesus died to give you, okay? And when we talk about evangelism and we talk about how do we we share our story with other people, well, this is what it's about. I asked God this week, I was praying about this idea of evangelism and why is it so hard for people in the church to do that? Um, Because there are staggering statistics about people who love and follow Jesus, um, how many of them actually don't share their faith with coworkers, with friends, with family members that don't know him. And uh, I really asked God, I said, why, why do we have this problem? And um, I felt like he spoke to me and he said, because you don't understand your authority. Believers, believers today don't understand their authority. And maybe it's because they're in a process, an early process of learning it, uh, or they've never really experienced true power Um, so they don't know how to activate and practice the authority that they have within you because Jesus modeled authority and then he gave it. Okay? So I I believe that the enemy is always trying to use your doubt and your circumstances to derail you from your mission. Your mission, let me go back to Matthew 28, is the Great Commission. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples. That's your mission. So the enemy will use your doubt. He'll use your divorce. He'll use your financial debt. He'll use um, that separation from that best friend, that broken heart. He'll use whatever he can to derail your mission because the enemy is always after your assignment. Okay? Because if he can keep you uh, occupied and like a little roly-poly rolled up in the dirt of your circumstances, you're not going anywhere. Those guys aren't going anywhere, let me tell you, and they just stay curled up. Right? Right. We all know. We all know because we've all played with the little roly-polies. Flick them around and everything. Okay? That's what the enemy's trying to do to you. Come on. Some believers need to rise up and get authority over being the roly-polies of Christianity. In Jesus' name. Come on. All right. I think there is a direct connection between evangelism and authority. 
I think there is a direct link to believers who know what it means to evangelize and believers who know what their authority is. There is a connection there. We don't talk about Jesus because we don't know the authority within us. And if, you're, if, if you don't know what I mean by authority within us, that is the, that is the power within you to speak to the bondages and the situations that you're walking through and say, in Jesus' name, I do not accept that. So if, if by the way, if you are not practicing your own um, private proximity, say private proximity, your private closeness with Jesus, if you're not practicing that by actively talking to him through prayer, if you're not reading your Bible every day, if you don't have a healthy devotional life, if you are not in a connect group and if you're not coming to church regularly, I hate to tell you, but you will not have the authority or the power in your life to speak to whatever it is that's coming against you, let, let alone set somebody else free. So sometimes we've got we've to refocus where our priorities are and make sure that that private proximity is in the right alignment before you have public proximity. I'm going off on tangents today. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting back on it. Um, again, when, when we allow our doubts and our circumstances, it's because uh, the enemy allows those things into our life because he's trying to derail this mission. He's trying to derail proximity. Okay? He's always trying to separate the closeness that we have with Jesus. And so I'm going to chat, I'm going to talk about Luke 10 in just a minute. But again, in Luke 10, Jesus and his disciples were, he was, they were watching him feed the 5,000. He was casting out demons. He was doing all of these miracles. See, he was operating in his authority. He was, he was setting people free, which is why we are given authority so that we can set people free, so we can be free ourselves. And so he's operating in this. But what was so interesting about this story in Luke 10 is um, Jesus starts modeling authority. He models authority, and then he gives it. And it's all throughout the Gospels. So he models authority, and then he gives authority. But he doesn't just give authority to his twelve. Um, I thought kind of the 12 were like the special ones, and they are, they're the apostles, and they started the early church after he went to heaven, and all of this stuff, okay? But Jesus actually had way more disciples than the 12. He had multiple people that had witnessed the power of God and the authority of God in his life, and so there were people following him everywhere, and you, you just read how crowds would just follow Jesus after he performed these miracles, and so he had had 72 disciples that he chose to send out on mission in this particular part of the story, in this particular time in ministry. And so it wasn't like he was just equipping the 12. He, equip, he equipped 72. So he sends the 72 out and he gives them instructions on what they should be doing. He's telling them how to evangelize. He's sending them out for evangelism. He is empowering them, right? Right? He's giving them his authority. So then these guys come back, and they come back, and they're all excited. And they're jumping around, and they're like, Jesus, guess what? Guess what? We were able to cast out some demons. That's what they say to him. They're all excited and exuberant. And they're amazed at what they can do at the hands, or the, with their own hands, uh, with his authority operating within them. They're like so excited. And that same excitement, that same exuberance is what he wants you to experience as well. As soon as you allow the authority and you understand the authority that he has put within you through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, to set people free. 
Come on. Amen. So then we pick up uh, in Luke 10, 18 and 19, Jesus answers them. And this is the Passion Translation. I really like this translation. I recommend it uh, if you need a little bit of a different change. But he says, Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now, this is, the, this is key. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Amen. That's good news. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think sometimes next to Jesus dying on the cross uh, for my sins and taking all of the punishment and canceling the punishment that I deserved, that's the best news. <laughs> Right underneath, Jesus dying and rising again. And here's why. Because we got to live this life every day. Right. We're not just living to go to heaven, okay? When we say yes to Jesus, yes, we are going to heaven and we're going to spend eternity with him, right. okay? But what happens up until that point? Some of us are just surviving. We're just, we're just kind of trying to get through the next thing. We're just trying to get through this season, I'm just trying to get through this season with my kids. I'm just trying to get through this season, right? That is not what he died for, is so you can get through another season. He died for you to have the authority imparted from his spirit into your spirit so that you can trample on snakes and scorpions, a.k.a. the debt, those, uh, those uh, people that won't leave you alone at work, all of the little things, all the annoying things that happen that your kids do. That's why he died. Because you don't have to live in bondage to it. You don't have to live in bondage to your feelings. The negative emotions, stuff that tries to overwhelm your heart and your soul. And I think it's really interesting when authority comes into a room. Something changes when authority is in the atmosphere. If you guys notice, when if you were here for worship, um, something kind of shifted by the, by, the, by the end of that first song when we were singing How Great Thou Art, something shifted in the atmosphere because the authority of Jesus was here. And all of us felt, if we were paying attention, if we were worshiping, you felt a lift in your spirit and in your heart. We have people that we knew back in Washington that would go to what they call the National Prayer Breakfast. And it's a breakfast for church leaders, well-known church leaders all around the country uh, and in the world. And then there's all these national leaders that are in that room. And there's, I don't know, a thousand people or something there. I don't know how many people are there, but they all meet once a year and um, to hear from the President of the United States and to pray for our country. And uh, the people that were describing this uh, when they came back from their first time said, it's so interesting because there's so much power and authority in that room. The Prime Minister of England was there and there's kings, like earthly kings, African kings that were in the room that same time. But there's something different about when the the leader of the free world walks in the room, everybody is completely quiet. The whole atmosphere shifts, okay? And everybody turns towards him. Everybody stands and is silent because authority commands attention. And so when you are walking in the authority that Jesus 
has given you and when you actually believe that that his name is enough to speak to whatever it is that you need to speak to in your life to say be gone in Jesus name when you start walking in something shifts it commands attention Jesus was preaching in a church when Jesus showed up in a synagogue a man that had a demon for years which by the way you can come to church and still not be free okay a man who had a demon for years that had been sitting in the synagogue listening to the teachers of religious leaders, okay? Not Jesus. When he walked in, that dude started freaking out. The thing started just... Starts freaking out and tries, tries to disrupt him. And, and he says, all he says is, come out of him. That's all he says. Because true power doesn't need to yell. This is what, this is what the enemy does. The enemy's a bully, Okay, and the enemy gets all big and loud and scary in your life, and he says that this circumstance is going to be so big, it's going to take you out, and it starts to bully us into believing that we that we're smaller and that the the God of the universe and that Jesus's name inside us is not enough. Okay, but what I am here to tell you today is that if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or fear or worry or any of those things that Todd talked about, you actually have all power within you to speak to that and say no be gone in Jesus name so why is proximity with Jesus so important I just have two uh, short points for you this morning and if you want to write this down write down P P P P and no this is not potty humor okay I have a lot of preschool humor happening in my house it's four P's number one practicing proximity produces power. Practicing proximity produces power in your life. When I uh, got my new cell phone, do, do you guys all know what this is? Can you see this? This is a wireless cell phone charger. Okay. And so I use this at night. I plug my phone in at night and all I have to do is, do you have my cell phone, honey? If you haven't seen one of these, usually we, you know, you plug the charger in to get power to your phone. But I actually use this one, and this is right here where the source of power is and where it comes from and where it, where it charges my battery. And so I put my phone on the wireless charger at night. And sometimes, though, I will get up in the middle of the night and not know it and knock my phone, because it's on the floor. So I leave it on the floor, and then I'll get up, and then I'll knock my phone off. Or it'll vibrate, you know, I'll get a text or something, and it'll subtly kind of move off of the power source right here. And I will wake up more times than I would like to admit with a dead phone. No power in my phone because it has been moved away from the power source. Okay? When you practice proximity for power in your life, when you are having a healthy devotional life and you're attending Connect Group and church every week, when you're practicing proximity to Jesus, your life will have power. And you will not only feel powerful when you are in this building, but you are meant to go and make disciples and to go out and to tell people and to set people free because it's proximity that produces power. That's right. Come on. Okay? How close you are to Jesus will determine how powerful your life will be. That's it. It's just, that's just the truth. In Acts 1.8, it says, But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, that's proximity, 
We ask him to come and be close to us. When he comes upon us, we will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. We will be the messengers to Poway, to Escondido, to North County, to South County, East County, all of the places, distant messengers. We might go to Mexico. We might go to Africa. Okay, because when we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit has come on us, we are commissioned to go out. So some of us have been living beneath the commission that is on our life because of what maybe doubts, like we talked about, or circumstances in our life that the enemy uses to try to derail us, to derail our focus. We are, you are not here for you. You're just not. But proximity creates power. I think about Lyndon B. Johnson. Anybody under 40 in the room might not know who that is. Does everyone know who Lyndon B. Johnson is? Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson is probably one of the most famous vice presidents because he was the successor to John F. Kennedy. And John F. Kennedy was assassinated in the 60s, and it was a very... Um, uh, I wasn't around. I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> But it was a very emotional um, time for our country. It was very difficult. And uh, Lyndon B. Johnson was the guy to take that seat. And because of his proximity to the President of the United States, he had the power to be able to step in during a crisis and lead the country through that rest of the term. Okay, when you practice proximity with the king, you are able to step into people's crisis situations and lead with a powerful voice to set other people free. Number two, receiving power requires your participation. Worship team, I'd like you to join me if you would. So receiving that power requires participation. You got to show up. You just have to show up. Sometimes that's half the battle of being used by God or half the battle of getting free yourself is showing up. That's good. Yep. Real power requires participation or receiving power. And I really believe that if any of us want to see a move of God in our life, it will require you to participate on a level that may make you uncomfortable. Right. May not fit into your schedule. Right. There was a miracle in motion happening just last Sunday morning. And I didn't even know about it. Wow. Didn't find out about it until Tuesday. My friend Sherry, who's here today, and her family is here. Sherry's become a really good friend, and we love her and Steve and Stephanie, and um, they're part of our Trinity family now, and um, we've been getting to know them, and Sherry, I learned about Sherry just yesterday that um, her dad passed away three years ago, and his birthday was St. Patrick's Day, so what was last Sunday? St. Patrick's Day, okay? Um, yeah, so three things that you need to know about her dad is that uh, he loves tilapia. He loved tilapia, okay? His absolute favorite movie was Rudy, okay? Absolute. Apparently, he would make every single person that came over watch it with him, which is awesome. And then he was a Green Bay Packers fan. And so she was sharing with me this story of how uh, three years ago he had passed away 
And she had been going and flying. He lived in Atlanta, and she had been flying back and forth to Atlanta. And uh, he passed away from lung cancer. And so uh, that can move pretty aggressively and fast. And so she only had about a span of maybe six to eight months um, of time to really spend with him. And so she was flying back and forth, spending as much time as she could with him. And then the last trip that she took, uh, God spoke to her really clearly because he wasn't a believer. And she said, and he said, um, now's the time for you to share the message of Jesus with him. This is the time. And she tried to fight it and she was nervous. And just like every other person in this room that feels about evangelism, and she didn't, you know, she didn't know, but she said she felt it so strong that she knew she had to do it. And that week, she told me that week was one of the most difficult weeks of her life because of the spiritual warfare that was happening. Let me tell you, when you're on assignment, that woman was on assignment from God. When you are on assignment, things will not get easier sometimes. They will get worse. They will get hard. He was falling asleep while she was trying to give him the gospel message. You know, all kinds of things, just spiritual warfare. But she said that she... she she told him about Jesus and they prayed together and he accepted him into her life into his life that's that's worth a amen hello amazing right she was obedient she was obedient to the call and she didn't let fear in so that's 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 intense you know leading your parents to the Lord is that that's a you know a big deal and um, three weeks later he passed away after he said yes to Jesus. But the last three years, um, particularly on St. Patrick's Day, Sherry, Sherry gets up in the morning and she thinks about her dad. And what she shared with me just uh, yesterday was that she had been struggling a lot with doubt. Doubt. Whether or not that prayer really made a difference for eternity for him. Whether or not she would actually see him in heaven again. And she was just struggling and didn't know um, what she should believe. But she came to church last Sunday morning, got up out of bed, was trying to fight the feelings of sadness and grief that, are threat that threatened to overwhelm us sometimes. So she pushed it down, she made it to church, and she was in her worship ex experience, worship time, and uh, felt God's presence all throughout the worship experience and then when the worship ended she had been closing her eyes nobody had been sitting in front of her uh, before worship ended and when she opened her eyes there was a man standing in front of her wearing a Green Bay Packers jacket <laughs> in San Diego and in that moment she felt the tangible presence of God and the personal power of a God that knows her so intimately that knew her heart that knew what she needed to know on that particular in that particular moment that morning that was a miracle in motion okay but that's not the end of the story that's not the end of the story so her and her husband sit down and they both look at each other and they both know what each other is thinking okay and they're, they're both like oh, you know like she called it a hug from heaven which I love that term that it felt like a hug from heaven that the God of the universe knows her so intimately but we went through the rest of the service and they felt like they needed to tell this man that he was a part of their miracle in motion that man was Ron McFarlane 
And what was so interesting about this story is that Sherry, so Sherry's telling Ron about her dad and what had happened to him and how she led him to the Lord. And, 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 but it's been really hard for her. And you, you were a part of this miracle and God used your Green Bay Packers jacket to show me that that he's real and that he hears me and that that prayer that I said with my dad was meaningful and he's in heaven today. So Ron, ironically enough, says to her, well, if you, if you wouldn't believe this, but this is actually, um, this month is the anniversary of my dad passing away. And he said, my dad was an avid Raiders fan, I believe, Raiders fan. Rams, Rams, okay, LA Rams. They're mouthing Rams to me. He was an avid LA Rams fan. And so when Ron went to go clean out his stuff, he couldn't understand why there was a Green Bay Packers jacket in amongst all of his things, all of his LA Rams stuff. Why would there be a Green Bay Packers jacket? And so he took it, and I assume it's because he probably thought it meant something or it had some kind of significance attached to it. And so on Sunday morning, St. Patrick's Day morning, Ron was looking through his closet and couldn't find anything green to wear. <laughs> the only thing he had to wear, I assume, was the Green Bay Packers jacket because we're a long way from Wisconsin, okay? So he wears this jacket not knowing what miracle he is actually participating in. You see, God will use whatever he can. You might not even know it, but you might be part of a miracle happening in motion. There was a miracle happening right back there on Sunday morning. And Sherry told me yesterday that in 30 years of following Jesus, she has never had an experience so personal like that. Would you stand to your feet?